Welcome to On to Moxie with FP Wellman. I am Fred Wellman, your host. We're off to another great show this week. Got a great guest. But before we start, as always, I, you know, I always like to grab a, a current poll that kind of lays things out and actually kind of frames my conversation with my guest. And just yesterday or this week, NBC News released a new one that is examining Republican primary voters. And in many ways, it's kind of shocking, but it really shows the great divide we face. And in this first slide, you know, we'll show on your screen if you're listening at home, it, it starts at the top, GOP primary voters. Would you vote for a candidate who, number one, supports sending military to stop drugs at the border? A whopping plus 80, plus 80 want to send troops to the border. Plus 58 support the idea of a K through eight ban on sex or gender discussions which is the don't say gay stuff. Amongst GOP primaries, a plus 58 differential want us to ban that discussion. 47 want to ban Biden's climate energy programs, plus 51 ban gender-affirming care for minors, and then plus 22 on a six-week abortion ban. Now, the next set of questions they ask is really where it gets interesting. Contrary to what the loudest voices in the MAGA movement tell us, an overwhelming majority of GOP primaries don't support cutting off aid to Ukraine. They don't support <laughs> attacking companies like, I don't know, Disney for their LGBT views. And they certainly don't support Social Security and Medicare cuts. As a matter of fact, for support for Medicare, more aid to Ukraine, it was a minus 24. So the majority of Republicans support that. A shocking minus 42 say they want to punish companies for LGBTQ statements. In other words, Ron DeSantis' battle with Disney for GOP primary voters is not a game-winning message. And then that amazing minus 47 differential for wanting to cut Social Security and Medicare. Now, it's not all good news. Uh, plus 11 want us to say Trump won and plus five want pardons for our riders. Now, where I thought it was getting interesting before we get to the show with this last one is they actually brought in independents, split them out. And this is where we kind of see the gap. And I, I want to talk about how bad, how different it is with Democrats. But, you know, they have to get some independence. We're so we're there uh, on this one. Everywhere across the closest they came, independents to Republicans, sadly, sadly, was minus three independents support the idea of banning K through eight discussions of sex and gender. But beyond that, it's double digit separations for the most part. So what does it mean? Well, I mean, obviously, it means bad news for Ron DeSantis. This is damn his whole personality is fighting Disney and making America Florida a theme we've talked about in the show several times the last few weeks and is roundly rejected every time it's pitched to people. But it also shows us to me this large divide. And I think a lot of times we'll see a net, you see a national poll and say, well, plus 60 support LGBTQ rights and all, but then you divide it and find it's actually 90 Democrats and 30 Republicans. And that is important. And it's important the discussion we're about to have with Jeff Charlotte. So I'm not going to waste our time with my polls. Let's get on with the show. Let's talk. Welcome, welcome, welcome. As I said, welcome back. We got some music. Uh, you know, I joked a few weeks ago about getting Odessa music. I'm actually talking to them. So I don't know. Matt's going to have to sell some, you know, candy or something to raise enough money. But we're going to try and get some real music. <laughs> you know, we met the band when we were in Montreal. So I don't know, Matt, have faith. I'm on the, I'm on the job. We're going to find it. But in the meantime, we got our great welcome. I am, as we mentioned, Fred Wellman, your host. This is On Democracy. You're in the right place. So glad you're here. It's been another fascinating week with a, a semi-rebellion in Russia for about 15 minutes. Uh, RFK Jr. did a bunch of push-ups. That was cool. Uh, CNN, CNN, now here we're going really get CNN released the actual tape of Trump blagging about waving classified documents as civilians. And that's a great place to start. Jeff, Jeff, welcome to the show. Jeff is a New York Times national best-selling, multi-award winning author of eight books, many articles in top journals. His newest book is right here in front of me. If you're watching, his newest book is The Undertow. Scenes from a Slow Civil War. He is the Frederick Sessions B. 35 professor in the art of writing at Dartmouth College. I, I'm not going to list all the places his writing goes. It goes everywhere, Jeff. My God, you're everywhere. Uh, but what's really interesting, Jeff's been on the ground in the MAGA movement for years now, offers one of the most unique insights in that world that I've seen anywhere. I heard you on NPR a couple of weeks ago, Jeff, and I had to have you on the show. So welcome to On Democracy, brother. Thank you, Fred. You know, I want to start this last moment, that latest moment we just talked about at the beginning there and kind of reel it back from there. And the audio of Trump waving classified papers at guests at his 
crappy golf club is damning to most Americans. I mean, he literally refers to the dog. Well, you see, this is secret. I can't show it to you. Um, but what's interesting to me is always how Republicans close ranks um, coming up from excuses like they're, 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 we don't know those are actual the plans. It could have been a newspaper clipping to I, I think one congressman said, well, you know, that's just Trump being Trump, <laughs> you know, and it gets me to something you said in that, in, in that first NPR interview that I heard. You said you can't fact check a myth. And it's almost like Trump lives in a magical bubble of mythology that's impervious to facts, right? It, it's a, how is it that Trump followers are so implacably immobile off their adulation for him? And, and you've been going to MAGA rallies. And what's your thoughts on the way that that bubble never seems to burst? I mean, the bubble doesn't burst because the, the appeal of authoritarianism, of Trumpism, you want to use the, you said we could drop F-bombs, fascism. <laughs> yeah, the real dirty F-word. We, uh, we use it on the show all the time, man. Yeah, it, it, it's a real dirty F-word. And, and it, the, the appeal is aesthetic. It's not reasoned. It's not a, and it's not even pretending to be that. It's a national myth, right? Right. And these are people who've decided, I find meaning in myth. Now, they find meaning there, right? If you find meaning in a thing, you're not interested in the quibbles over the details. It also means the way myth works. You know, you go to the, the scholars of myth. They understand that we can encounter the same story with radically different meanings. So you can't fact check a myth. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't, right. But also, listen, if if some uh, MAGA person is going to hear that recording, and they're probably not. That's right. the other thing. They won't, why, yeah, they won't even break Why through. the Republicans defend it? They don't need to. The right. case is paying attention. It's not being run on Fox News. It's not being run on OAM. Yeah, if they, if they happen to hear it, they're going to hear it positively. Mm. They're going to hear their man being funny from their point of view, charming, yep. charismatic. Yep. They're going to hear him dominating the room. They're going to hear him being a strong man. And that's what they're in it for. So how do you, how do you say, hey, that guy is breaking the law in there? Yes. <laughs> that's what I'm here I for. I'm here for a man who governs from his gut. I'm not here for, for you know, some, well, you know, uh, code section 32B. You know, they're not there for that. I love that perspective because we say that a lot, right? We say one of the reasons DeSantis is failing, right, is DeSantis isn't funny. I know that sounds – people think I'm crazy when I say that to him, Jeff. It's like the thing about Donald Trump that's so unnerving, I think, to a lot of people who dislike him is he's actually charming. He's actually yeah. funny. He's got his own – now, look, I hate his humor and I hate his the, – the people that are often the punchlines of his jokes, right? It's like those racist jokes. But there are people that they love, right? And the thing about Donald Trump is he's built his entire life around marketing – Donald J. Trump. And, and you're right. There, there is a certain charisma to that. And, and he knows how to read a crowd, right? He knows. I mean, uh, Tim Miller was on the show last week. talked about how, how where, where Trump develops policies is during a MAGA rally where he kind of sees what lines hit, what lines don't. And he's a master of pulling like he can hear the vote. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, when he says a line and the crowd reacts with jubilation, he's like, OK, that's a new policy. We're going to kill the drug dealers. Okay, that's not, but, but they love it. The crowd goes crazy, um, and that mythology. And you've been in, you've been in Scotland. I mean, I was so I've read the book, and I, I I'm going to jump out. The, the God help me with my script this week. You know, I, I, the book is for those you gotta get this book, y'all. Just want to say that it's called The Undertow. Is it's a travel log, a fascinating travel log into this world of MAGA. And I don't know how you did it. I I was reading this section this last night where you're yeah, the guy had a you know came out with guns on his hips and <laughs> you wandered. You were in Wisconsin, I believe, and you wandered up to the guy's house and hey, how come you have an FJB bag? I was like. You know, I live in Missouri, <laughs> you know, I couldn't just imagine rolling up to one of these houses and say, hey, what's the deal? And they come out with guns. And I mean, tell me about your travels, why you took that mission and 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 some of the, the what you learned the most as you as you knock on these doors yeah. and heard these voices. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been writing about right wing movements for about 20 years. And and this book, The Undertow, represents uh, about the last 10 years. Uh, right. And I have to say it was going to originally it was going to be mainly about the last 10 years and then January 6th. 2021 and so that becomes the big part of the book actually is traveling after that and yeah. seeing after trump is gone how present he is how present that story is and as you say you're talking there in wisconsin about a militia leader named rob brum yeah. he claims five thousand members of his militia i i doubt it but there is a militia and there's a whole hell of a lot of guns, body armor, cases of ammunition in the corner of his uh, rooms, uh, looping his footage from January 6th. And it wasn't fuck Joe Biden. It was fuck Trudeau. And I'm in Wisconsin. So I stopped to take a picture thinking that's interesting. I didn't know I tripped 
two of his security perimeters. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, man comes out with a gun and invites you in. I actually think the right answer is yes. Um, <laughs> I just, I'm over here shaking my head. If you're, if you're listening, I'm like, I'm rubbing well, my forehead. You know, I'm literally no, rubbing my no, forehead. No, no man with a gun. Yeah. But also, you know, that's, that's, that's the conversation. Look, yeah. the reality is someone who's flying a flag, what I have found, and that's a big part of how yeah. <laughs> traveling is easy. You just drive until you see someone with a flag. And then you right. say, tell me about that. And there's so many of these right wing flags. Yeah. You, you fly, fly a flag because it's almost sort of like you're saying, ask me about my crazy politics. <laughs> um, that's a crazy uh, you know, uh, and, and I think I don't, I don't recommend this for everybody. And I no. do not mean this. <laughs> I, and I do not mean this. Hey, look, we can have conversations. Right. Um, uh, uh, this isn't safe. These people aren't safe. Some no. of them flying, you know, if they're flying a flag with an AR-15 on it, um, you understand where they're coming from. But I, well, you understand a bit of where they're coming from. And I needed to know more. And 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 to me, I mean, I just always find I, I'm not of the right myself, not any variation of it. Right. Um, but I find its spectrum really fascinating. And, yeah. and you know that we were just talking about fact checking a myth. I think mythology is interesting. Mythology, stories that people tell. There's a famous writer, Joan Didion. She's got this line. We yeah. tell ourselves stories in order to live, right? Yeah. And 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 she's got all these, you know, fans who like say, Oh, that's beautiful, that's beautiful, that's wonderful. Well, depends on what story. Trump's uh, stories are stories that people are telling themselves in order to live. And the thing about him being funny, so I started going to Trump rallies pretty early on. Yeah. Um uh and and I was originally, I couldn't get an editor to send me this. Like, Oh, I, I was like, he comes down that golden escalator. Right. Right. I'm like, Oh, I've seen, this is the strong man figure that I report on overseas. Here it is coming, descending into our midst. Right. Yeah. I go to my regular editors and like, no, 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 Jeff, you, you, you can't write about Trump. Trump. We're, we're covering that as a funny story and you're not funny enough. It was <laughs> fair. I'm not. I'm not. Um, and Don't you write about but, music a lot too. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're the wrong guy. Um, but but the th what I could do, actually, because I was interested in performance, I could understand the, the funny people couldn't understand how he was funny to his crowd. The people who were telling jokes to the MSNBC audience didn't understand this is working a different vein. So you have to spend a lot of time in the right. But then you also I mean, this I'll say you want to understand Trump's comedy watch a speech without sound. And a lot of people do that and they say, oh, it's Mussolini. No, it's not. It's Jackie Mason. Um, it's, it's, That's such it's Borscht Belt comedy. It's, it's, you yes. know, there's an old Borscht Belt, Jewish humor. Uh, you're from Missouri. You might not know. But, uh, I grew up, I grew uh, up in the New England though. So. Right, <laughs> my, my, dad, my dad's from Boston. So. <laughs> okay. You know, it is funny because it's sad, sad because it's funny. What Trump is doing, he's taking that formula. It's funny because it's mad. It's funny because it's angry and it's wow. angry because it's funny, but you stand in those crowds and I have, and I found myself laughing and then I'm horrified at myself, but that's the control he has. Wow. of the crowd that the timing everything about it is it's not always on he, he no, stumbles right plenty. right um but that's also kind of what we show this guy like this guy uh ah, didn't work you know didn't work today doesn't matter i'll go back on stage tomorrow and i'll i'll pull it off and god what a great no, ron DeSantis is not that guy no uh, nikki haley is not that person um Tim Scott, no. Uh, we live in the Trumpocene, in the vernacular of Trump, the, the age of Trump. And uh, politicians are going to succeed in as much as they are able to work in that vernacular. Not just the policy beats, but the comedy beats, the the, the fear beats. Wow. that's. It's not often I show I sit back on my chair and go, oh, yeah. Shit, I didn't think of that. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is it, it is because we have talked about that. It, it it it. I think a lot of us kind of drag them for it is just the like you said the old time comedy. Um, which by the way, if you watch that old time comedy, a lot of it's super racist and a lot of yeah. super abusive. I mean, that's the thing, and that that is Donald J. Trump. I mean, really, um, what a unique perspective on it, and it's true, and it works, and and it's funny. I think this is where DeSantis fails is he thinks it's about the anger and the hate, and the hate is there, but there's a presentation. The package that goes with that has created a mythology that is is hard to compare. I think I've talked about a whole few times in the show. I, I want to say it was three or four weeks ago now. Maybe Matt could find it, but um, there was a poll where basically thirty percent 
percent of these GOP primary voters said that they simply would vote for Trump or they would vote for no one or, you know, even if he's not in the ballot, it's always going to be Trump. So there's literally a, a, a third of an electorate that said, I want just this guy, and no one else, period, dot. Um, yeah. And that's a unique place. And you know, in that one of those ways, you did talk to this lady. I remember you, I read a scene where you, uh, I, for some reason, it stuck with me. Uh, Diane, uh, you were with, with her. Yeah, at, at the Trump rally, right? And then you went to her I car. I love your stories. Like, yeah, so we sat in her car in the parking lot. I'm just like going, hell, dude. And the things, I mean, if you read the book, the scenes you find yourself in are as, as entertaining to me as anything else. Like, I, I, there was no many, there were so many times I'm like, oh my God, this guy's nuts. Like, God bless, you know, this guy's nuts. But what was interesting to me is like listening to her, she's obsessed with Trump. As a as a messenger of God, I mean, she hears him. She's telling you, like, don't you hear that? Don't you see it? And you're like, well, these are random numbers. Yes, and that's the code. The random numbers, the code. You know, it's like these people see Trump. Many of them as a messenger of God, and he's talking to them. I mean, how does that fever take a normal? Because you said, didn't you say? I think Diane was actually like a she was anti-Trump. One of them was. I forgive me. Yeah, yeah, my brain was. I mean, yeah. How does where does this? Who's the main figure in my book was her favorite president before Trump was Obama. You know, and and I think a lot of people don't want to believe that exists. I'm in Vermont. There are Bernie to Trump folks. It's yeah. There's a there's a left to right slide now into i mean fascism has a big graph gravitational pull it's you know it's it's it's, yeah. it's like tractor beam and it can bring in all kinds of folks but diane g sunrise florida yep um broward county uh rallied about twenty thousand uh folks um and i got to talking to diane g and at that point i was interested in learning more about QAnon. right and she's a real devotee um and uh and so we we, we kind of hang out at the rally and then afterwards we meet up and we say she's, she's we sit in her white cadillac we stay there until the parking lot was empty talking Jeez. about the deep truths and and some of the uh, later when i listened to the recording of the conversation i remember thinking i i can't use some of this it's just too crazy um it, it's it's just too fringe and then i would i would google it for instance her claim that um uh, the, the terrible mass shooting in Las Vegas where some 50 some people were killed was actually an assassination attempt by the Saudis on Trump. And, and, and you're like, what? And her evidence is, well, there was a man seen on the same floor and he had been seen earlier eating Turkish kebab. And, you know, <laughs> well, you've got it. And I thought this is too crazy. And then I Google it. And where do I find it on Tucker Carlson coming from Congressman Scott Perry, a former brigadier general um, uh, via another Trump official? And you realize this isn't fringe. I'm fringe. You're fringe. We, we, we are the fringe here that the 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 lunacy of these ideas uh, are, are, are such that they they make their own reality. But now here's the catch. The thing about Diane G that I found heartbreaking, I really do. And I think not enough people realize that Diane G, I write about her. She, she's involved with a, a children's home in Haiti and she has seen the massive destruction in Haiti. And she saw even uh, the harm caused by the Bill Clinton Foundation. The Clinton Foundation um, did this work in Haiti and was really mismanaged. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't evil intention. It was just you know, they sent off like 22 year old Ivy League graduates to to run a country that they knew nothing about. Surprise, they failed. Yep. Um, it, it was, you know, hubris. And, and Clinton himself acknowledges this. He says it was a deal with the devil and it didn't go as we planned. But so there's all kinds of stuff going on there. But Diane, she doesn't have the language. She doesn't have the, 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 the political sophistication to understand that. Um, she's got a whole history of American racist mythology about voodoo and Haiti and, and this kind of stuff to tap into. And then she's got QAnon. Well, did you know that the Clintons eat babies? She has seen children's lives destroyed. And so suddenly she takes that fact that she's witnessed and she takes that myth and she grasps them together and it makes sense. Uh, it's almost as if she's translating it. So many of these lunatic ideas are translations of realities um, that are horrible, that we could address, that we could debate about, that we could be speaking to, but they're translations into a fantastical realm uh, that it's very hard to come back from. I, uh, yeah, and, and they vote. Right. I mean, and, and the end, it, it's a vote. And, and it does take me, it kind of takes me to that mythology. I think the next piece would be the way Ashley Babbitt is laced through your book 
as a martyr of their movement. You know, you, you said, I, I've seen you say, I've heard you say twice now, I think, that you knew almost as soon as it happened with her death. And I love the way you frame it. That if the only video we have is her coming to the window and then the gun comes up and shoots her and the gun was had a black hand holding it. Yeah. And you knew that, like many of us did, I think, that, that and, and how does that translate into what you saw as you journeyed through this, this work? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit, I, I think that moment brought us in, in this age of Trump into an age of martyrs. And Trump okay. before then had been trying to create martyrs. Yeah, uh, right. People who had been killed by undocumented folks, but didn't quite take. But now here was video and she was perfect. You know, she's this young white woman, uh, uh, a veteran, leading this charge uh, on the Capitol on January 6th. People say, uh, Tuck Carlson would say she's unarmed, uh, but your viewers can see that's her knife on the cover. Yeah. Um, and people say, well, that's just a utility knife, you know, yeah. try, try taking it onto an airplane and see how that goes. Yeah. Um, uh, and she was there by her own account to storm the Capitol. She was there to do damage. She was a domestic terrorist. And But the hands that, that, that the shooter are uh, uh, Capitol police officers, black man, Lieutenant Michael Byrd. Um, and, I mean, as soon as you see that, you, you, if you've been paying attention in America, uh, I mean, this is part of uh, this is the awful part of our heritage. This is the lynching lie. Um, uh, this goes back. If you probably most viewers, listeners haven't uh, seen uh, a movie called Birth of a Nation. But if you've ever seen a Hollywood movie, you've seen its influence. 1915 epic yep. by D.W. Griffiths. This is the template for Hollywood. Yep. A white woman fleeing to her death from a black monster and she leaps off a cliff rather than be ravaged by him and uh, thus uh, setting in motion the ride of the Ku Klux Klan, which are the heroes of the movie. This, by the way, is the first movie uh, screened in the White House, 1915, Woodrow Wilson. Um, uh, they, they thought it was great. And that's an old, old story. So would they do it? And I, I, I mean, I, I can't say I knew the second I saw that they would do it. Yeah. I said, I'm going to start looking. There they were describing Ashley Babbitt, this 35 year old woman as smaller and smaller, younger and younger, an innocent little white yeah. girl killed. And Lieutenant Michael Byrd, he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, it's almost like a, yeah. a, a children's story. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then you, you get spinoff martyrs. One of my favorite is a, a, a guy who was arrested. Uh, it, it was, he was briefly a comedic, moment when when the fbi showed up to arrest him uh he was wearing a t-shirt that said i was there january washington dc january 6 2021 but what wasn't funny was the plan he had discussed with others uh online um to avenge the little girl the innocent little girl ashley babbitt um with a noose that the way the proper way to punish michael bird was with a noose and the reason they're going to do this is they didn't want to be racist. You know, the reason they're going to do this is that way they wouldn't have to fire a shot. And so they could say, Hey, we didn't fire the first shot. Uh, uh, the liberals, the lefts, lefties, the rhinos, they did. We are innocents. And that look, here's the thing, the takeaway from that and that mythology and, and how that works is we like to think sometimes of these guys as a death cult. I mean, they put skulls on everything, you know, the, the Punisher skull, the, the arm to the teeth. Right. I think a, a better way to understand them is as an innocence cult. And you say, what? They're not innocents. No, of course they're not. As an innocent, they fetishize the idea of innocence, the idea that you could stand with a gun outside of school and somehow you're the persecuted one. Right. Um, the idea of innocent Ashley Babbitt, the way they insist that she was unarmed, she has right. to be innocent. The way that Trump is always, always going to be innocent, no matter what he did. It's not so much if he stands out and shoots on Fifth Avenue and kills someone. It's it's not even, they don't even have to deny that he did it. He did it for a good reason. He is innocent of evilness and wickedness and so on. Yeah. That's the myth that I wanted to, and, and, and it did, you know, and so I traveled across the country, crisscrossing the country, just talking to people, everyday people about Ashley Babbitt. I had no destination. I had no, I'm going to check off these list of important persons. Yeah, it, uh, we have it enough was like you wandered. It seems like it's sometimes, the, I mean, literally that's the theme I saw a lot. Of, well, I ended up, <laughs> how often I see that. So, yeah. 
Well, and I think I think this is a lot of what the media is 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 getting wrong is is we do need more wandering journalism and we need to pay attention to these little small stories. It's Diane G in the parking lot yeah. seems crazy. Each little bit, though, is making this big, broad fabric of fascism. And instead, you know, we you know, when when why on earth do political reporters turn after the the Trump uh, uh, tape that comes out? I don't need to hear what Ted Cruz has to say about right. this. Right. It doesn't matter. I don't need and I don't need to go to a diner either. I need you to wander and let that come up in conversation if it does and and hear how it's experienced. That's that's what I I kind of feel that's politically imperative right now. I'm going to take a pause there. That's a great place to take a pause for some of our sponsors, then come back. And I want to go right into a discussion of that, that disconnect right there. Cold turkey may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. And I'm not talking about some weird mind voodoo or a wacky message board. No, we're talking about our sponsor, Fume, and they look at the problem in a different way. Now, not everything in a bad habit is bad. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of an electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. And instead of chemicals, Fume uses all-natural, delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your Fume comes in an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do which is helpful for de-stressing anxiety while breaking your bad habit. The first time I used Fume, I was shocked at how flavorful and fresh it tasted. It's easy to hold and perfectly balanced and quite honestly, extremely fun to fidget with. The real wood material and sleek design definitely classes it up and I feel pretty cool holding it. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to Fume is easy, enjoyable, and honestly, even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories. There's no reason that can't be you. So, join Fume, accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the Journey Pack today. Now, head to tryfume.com and use code FRED to save 10% when you get the Journey Pack today. That's tryfum.com and use code FRED to save an additional 10% off your order today. Let's stop cutting down trees to make toilet paper. I mean, it's true. Humans are cutting down tens of thousands of every day just to supply the American need for toilet paper. And the worst part is that when you use trees for toilet paper, it's just one use and done. It can't be reused or recycled. It just goes straight into our water system. That's why I made the switch to real paper. You know, real is 100% bamboo. So we're using a plant that grows fast, can be harvested and regenerated like grass in a lawn, and, and doesn't impact entire ecosystems of forest. Real is the best kind of eco-friendly product because it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing something to help the earth. In fact, honestly, it feels like an upgrade. I'm really busy these days, so it's great to have it shipped free to my Dora. Plastic-free packaging. And I can schedule it on a subscription so that it comes exactly when I need it. And, y'all, I'm super forgetful, as anyone who knows me knows, so I don't have to worry about picking it up the store where I always forget. I'm a bit of an environmentalist myself, too, you know, so I love that Real is now a partner with One Tree Planted. And with every box of Real that you buy, they're funding reforestation efforts across the country. So unlike other to toilet paper products that cuts down trees, Real is actually helping to plant trees. Now, Real Paper is available in easy, hassle-free subscriptions or for one-time purposes on their website. All orders are conveniently delivered to your door with free shipping and 100% recyclable, plastic-free packaging. Now, if you head to realpaper.com slash Fred, sign up for a subscription using my code FRED at the checkout, you'll automatically get 30% off your first order and free shipping. So that's R-E-E-L-P-A-P-E-R dot com slash Fred or just enter the promo code Fred get 30% off your first order plus free shipping let's make a change for good this year switched real paper real is paper for the planet we have great sponsors I'm so blessed <laughs> so you know regular theme I talk about picking up what you talked about how how the, the the national media just doesn't seem to get the answer does get doesn't see the issue and, and as regard I think Jeff Rubin wrote a piece this week about how the, the cable news has turned into news aggregation. And I saw it myself you know, as the Pergozin um, column was marching to Moscow. CNN was running uh, a whole piece on the submersible 
you know, two days after we died. It's like, they just don't need bad. Yeah. It's like, oh shit. You know, we've got major breaking news and they're unable to break from their entertainment. So, but a regular thing I talk about the show too, is my frustration with the easy dismissal by so many that D and I, I want, and I'm, actually my script says the DC democratic establishment, but you really to get to it. It, it is the media establishment it is the, it is the political professionals of, of what they call culture war issues or what they call, you know, the, the, they don't want to talk about fascism. I say constantly the culture war is a real war with actual casualties, you know, the issues they want to avoid talk about are, are, are it gets me so mad. And I hear, well, we don't want to talk about that because it sidetracks us from the important things like the economy. Those things are literally killing people, you know, in places like yeah. Missouri and, and Wisconsin and stuff. You know, what do you see is that, I mean, uh, you've seen both sides now. What's the disconnect between, is, is there a, a dissonance? Is this, is, is there a history of this dissonance? I mean, what's your take on that, that, I would say cognitive dissonance between the reality we face in much of the country versus what are, are those in power may see otherwise. Well, you know, the, the, the subtitle of the book, culture war, and, and we were talking before the show, you know, this term comes into prominence from Pat Buchanan. Right. I think is 92, uh, yeah. was it 92 or 88? Um, uh, 92. Um, Perhaps. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. It was 88. Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was right there. Right. Uh, the, the speech at the RNC. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you know, Pat Buchanan, it somehow somehow gives us the language with which the democratic establishment talks about this. The media talks about this. This was a guy who admired general Franco. Um, he, you know, the, the Spanish fascist dictator, this right. is not someone that we need to, to look to for cues. Right. And, and so, so I call it a slow civil war. And the reason I start, call it a slow civil war is, is in the spring of 21, I started here. I'm married to an academic historian. I know the historians are very cautious. Yeah. You know, they know that history moves slow, but I started hearing uh, uh, other historians using that term as a possibility for the first time. And I said, okay, if these folks are taking it seriously, I, again, talk to the press. Uh-uh. Are you crazy? Now, now we're comfortable doing that. But so I started traveling and I pretty, pretty quickly found, I didn't even have to ask a question. I just said to say civil war. Mm. And people would say, yes, it was sort of two answers. Yes, it's coming. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Or yes, it's coming. It's sad, but it has to happen. Um, I'm talking about MAGA. Yeah. Yeah. Folks. Yeah. Of course. And, um, and, whether that means it's going to happen or not, that's something you, you, you sort of have to pay attention to. And that cognitive dissonance, though, I think part of it has to do with the fear of uh, of looking marginal, the fear of uh, paying attention to something that's not serious. You know, one of the things when I started, when I, whenever I covered Trump rallies, I've never gone as press. Um, I've never used a press pass. Hmm. Um, I, I, I get my ticket the honest way, which means I get endless, endless spam from Trump. <laughs> for the rest of my life. God bless um, you. Just for that alone. I, thanks for taking it for the team. And, uh, and then I stand in line for six hours and then we stand and, and we, we wait and so on the media. If people don't realize hmm. at Trump rallies, uh, go in a metal pen and he puts it in the middle. So yep. that at some point in the rally, he'll say, look at those scum. And everyone turns around and flies the bird. And it's a great, I mean, he's, it's great pure wrestling match, yeah. you know, and, and they're existing as a prop. But what was most astonishing to me, especially going back to 2016, every rally opened with, uh, every rally opened with a preacher and I covered the Christian right. And so yeah. I knew these guys were hardcore and I looked back at the press and maybe they're on the phone. This isn't important. We know Trump's not pious, so therefore they're not even paying attention. And I, I'm like, how yeah. can you cover this thing? They still don't. We saw that Trump yep. speech uh, after the indictment. Yep. Uh, you show me the mainstream press that picked up the big new changes in that. Um, one, the really huge growth in anti-Semitism. He ended the speech. The last lines were, we're going to uh, tra chase out the globalists, drive out the communists. That's the gospel of John and the gospel of Matthew is the money changers. And just to make sure you get it, the two verbs that are used in the different gospels his speechwriter has put in, money changers is Jews. I talked to colleagues in the press, well, you don't know that. Yeah, You can't be sure. And I'm like, we, we you're going to have to, you have no problem speculating on a submersible, <laughs> you know, yeah. speculating on the right. fate of a submersible. How about you speculate, uh, you bring your knowledge to bear on democracy right now. Um, and, 
and and identify what you see. And I think our political press is not up to the job. I thought it might be different. I see some folks who are stepping up now, but I heard I heard that same CNN segment it was Anderson Cooper leads off with the submersible uh, as the Russian coup was happening. And I'm like, what is going on? What is happening? We could even change our script. And I had sold on O'Brien on the show um, several months ago. We should rerun that one, Matt. We should like just put that back out again. And that was, you know, sold out. I was passionate about that. She's a former CNN anchor talking about you know, how, how we're failing. I say it all the time. We're, we, we are going to, I call it, I use the term a lot that we're going to norm and tradition ourselves into fascism, right? <laughs> and because we all, nobody wants to say, well, that's a lie or that's fascism. And because, you know, it's just against norms and traditions of, of propriety and our opponents, our enemies, if you will, don't care about propriety. They don't care about Well, this, this is what's fascinating to me about Never Trump is, and I've learned this from, I have to admit, I, I, I appreciated the work you guys were doing before, Thanks. but but talking to you guys around this book and then talking to so many, you know, I'll go and I'll talk to a New York Times reporter, a political reporter, uh, Reed Epstein, I don't mind naming him. And he's scolding me for using the F word and the R word, fascism and racism. Now you can say uh, maybe that was a a, a racist act, but we, you can't say that, you know, this is a little bit like I teach my kids. Don't say someone's a jerk, say they're being jerky, you know, Focus on the behavior. this is a little bit different. Then I talked to the never Trumpers and you, you all know that the center didn't hold because for you guys, the world exploded. It means losing, right. It means losing a uh, job opportunity, social connections and so on. The center that so much of the political establishment is dreaming that they can hold on to the never Trumpers know is already gone. Yep. And uh, I, I think it's, it's a, uh, I'm coming from a pretty left place, but um, uh, this is not the left, right of, of, of Glenn Greenwald and, you know, whoever his latest, chat buddy is right you Musk or whatever david Sachs. Um, this is people saying hey look we together we value democracy and we understand that that is collapsing right now well it was a regular joke at lincoln project about who we'd bunk with in, in the gulag <laughs> and uh <laughs> since my son worked for me i said look you're 25 you gotta sleep up top because i'm not i'm too old to climb up top <laughs> you know and, and and looking back i'm like god that actually wasn't very funny in the big picture but well i think too one of the things i just heard in your conversation is we were talking and, and what got in my mind is these guys do these things you know trump says these things uh and others and and it, there's two questions on this topic is um and the troops are listening, although mm-hmm. it, it often feels like people who are at the top don't under don't really understand. I mean, did Trump know they'd storm the Capitol, right? You know what I'm saying? Was that his intent? I mean, I think they understand. It seems like a lot of these guys, and I'll, I'll use the example I have in my, on my notes, is, is Rick Scott's bizarre video this week. I don't know if you saw Rick Scott put out a 35-second video of him saying, consider this a travel warning for Florida. We don't want socialists and communists to come to our state, right? And and it was just so, one, what a fucking dweeb, you know? know, It it was just so stupid. He's such a a weirdo. But again, we literally have a moment where they're actual Nazis demonstrate, which they deny, right? Oh, those are feds. But there's actual Nazis flying Nazi flags outside Disney World or on top of bridges uh, in, in Orlando or in other, elsewhere. And you've got a senator who was, is not dumb by any, he, he was a multi-billionaire CEO, um, a criminal. But do you, th- it, this reminds me, I, I worked on the beer, I worked on an organization briefly that was focused on the Beer Hall Project, called the Beer Hall Project. And it focused on how comparing the Beer Hall Pooch and the era after the Beer Hall Putsch to today's era, right? Like January, everybody says, oh, January 6th is our BLR. Yeah, I think it was. And that's not a good thing, by the way, because people, there's a lot of people don't understand that wasn't the end of Hitler, right? That was the rise of Hitler. That was actually the moment where, like January 6th, where he actually became a, a different thing. He became a myth. He actually took on the establishment and 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 that begins. You know, and they encouraged them, the, his brown shirts, to fight the Bolsheviks in the streets. I mean, do you think people like Rick Scott or are, do they know what the people, the meat, so then, then we go to the book where you were out there, you hung out with who will be the foot soldiers in the civil war. Do you think there's a disconnect between the generals of the civil war, you know, the Rick Scott's and the Clay Higgins and the, the Diane G's and the, the Waltz that you met? I mean, I think the interesting thing is increasingly less of a disconnect. Uh, there's Rick Scott. He, he, you know, he's trying to do his best. He's saying he, he is listening to so his constituents. Weird. He's trying to do constituent service and say, Hey, I, uh, the people lead and I follow, and, uh, I'm going to follow those people with the Nazi flags. Um, and 
I think there's that element, you know, there's another to speak of the German analogy. And I don't like to go too far with that because then people say, but this isn't like Germany in 1935. No, no, it's America in 2023. It's not a fascist regime, which is what Germany was. It's a fascist. Not originally, though. It was a fascist movement. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. But fascism evolves and adapts. And there's a very kind of history channel perspective that says that, you know, between 1945 and now there's no fascism, you know, uh, tell it to Indonesia, one of the larger countries in Asia, which was under fascism for a long time into the, into the 21st century. Um, uh, But uh, you know, so Rick Scott doing that, but you mentioned Clay Higgins, Representative Clay Higgins, Republican Louisiana. Yep. Uh, and uh, Clay Higgins is interesting because no, there's no disconnect there. No. Clay Higgins doesn't wink at fascist groups. He is proudly brags of being a member of an organization called the Three Percenters. Just to give you perspective on these guys, they're actually uh, oh, labeled wow. a terrorist group in Canada. They've been linked to bombings. They believe that three percent of Americans fought the revolution. It's bullshit. It was 25, 26%. But it's actually a terrorist ideology. If you believe only you need only 3% to overthrow a regime and that's where they're coming from. So uh, he, he put out a tweet a couple of weeks ago after the arraignment and everyone had a good old time making fun of it. It makes no sense. This is like one, one fiftieth, know your bridges. This guy is gobbledygook. And unless you spend time, with folks like the man I mentioned, Rob Rum, militia leader, or the militia churches I went to in Nebraska and California, churches with their own militias, you want to know your bridges. I mean, know your bridges means, um, it doesn't mean bomb the bridges in Miami. Everyone, no. Are they going to do that? No. no. It means hunker down in your county. Um, this is something called the Constitutional Sheriff's Movement, which yep. something like 40% of sheriffs in the United States subscribe to in some part now. Yep. Um, the idea, this ridiculous idea that the sheriff is the highest law authority in the land yep. and can nullify any law he wants. Know your bridges so the feds can't come in. One fiftieth. Right. What does that mean? Secure the military, points. military scale map. I did a video about you know? it. And yeah, it's it's a little bit. There's something. It's very reassuring. You know, it, it, it's reassuring to fact check a myth. I write that in the book uh, when uh, a militia church leader in Yuba City, California, is telling me that it's no coincidence that I came to his church. He says there, there is no word for coincidence in the Bible. So I called up actually a uh, a Hebrew scholar, uh, <laughs> like the man who writes on ancient Hebrew. Yeah, and he's like. Of course there is. Right. It's like, that, that's ridiculous. And it's very satisfying, you know, when an expert flattens a lie like that. Uh, I, I didn't go back to Yuba City. I'm pretty sure uh, they weren't going to say, oh, gosh, thank you for the correction. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, they, they're out there building this story, this narrative. You get a signal like Rick Scott. That's a license. I think Rick Scott, I don't, I'm no legal scholar, but given what has happened uh that's an invitation to violence that's saying to floridians um hey i've got your back i've got i'm giving you the blessing of authority you think someone's a socialist or a communist have at it go ahead you're empowering them that's a great place for our our second break uh and then i really want to talk about that as you know i have a big family and that means there's usually a lot of garbage left over by the end of the week and frankly i used to feel really guilty about it but then i got a loamy Now that I have a Lomi, it's changed the way I think about my food waste. Lomi transforms my garbage into gold, the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electronic composter that turns food scraps into dirt in under four hours. Now I love composting. (laughs) Plus, it's made cooking at home even more fun. There's no food wrong in my garbage smelling up the kitchen. Thanks to Lomi, I only have to take out the trash like once a week, and it's hassle-free. Mess-free. No more leaking bags. So here's something cool, too. I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants, my lawn, and my big garden in my backyard. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane gas. I get to help the environment, and that makes my life easier. All my food scraps, plant clippings, and even those leftovers I forgot in the back of the fridge go back into my garden, help me grow more nutritious food right in my backyard. I learned recently that food waste makes up a huge portion of our personal carbon footprint. So I reduce the amount of food I send to the landfill, I'm helping to do my part for the planet while also feeding my garden. So whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden like mine, 
Lomi is perfect for you. So head to Lomi.com slash Fred and use the promo code Fred to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash Fred and use promo code Fred at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode of the show. Nowadays, when I drink alcohol, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. So a lot of the time, I'll be the only person in the group not drinking, or I just end up skipping plans of friends altogether. That is until I discovered Z-Biotics. Now, Z-Biotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. So here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, as to blame for your rough next day. Z-Biotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut, where you need it most. Now, just remember to drink Z-Biotics before drinking alcohol, drink responsibly, and then get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. The first time I tried Z-Biotics was I was heading out to a night out and a great concert all night long. As instructed, I drank a bottle of Z-Biotics before any alcohol, and I was amazed at how good I felt the next day. Every time I have a Z-Biotics before drinking, it makes such a difference the next day. I mean, even after nice, uh, drinks the night before, I, I know I'll be able to get back to my daily routine. You know, like you guys know about my three-mile daily walk or, you know, just hitting my garden with ease. Give Z-Biotics a try for yourself. Go to zbiotics.com slash Fred to get 15% off your first order when you use code FRED at checkout. Z-Biotics is back with a 100% money-back guarantee. So if you're not satisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, it's simple. Just head to zbiotics.com slash FRED. Use the code FRED at checkout for 15% off. And I got to say, thank you, Z-Biotics, for sponsoring our great episode. Segwaying off that that sort of that generalissimo order, right, the the video and the Clay Higgins. I did a whole video on, I, mean, I just touched about the Clay Higgins. I, I'm, I'm an old soldier. I was at Army for 22 years. Uh, I've I've been embraced. I've I followed the militia movement because I had people join it, friends. Because if you remember, Oath Keepers originally started off as military guys during the Obama administration because they were going to remember their oath against the socialists that are trying to take over our country. Uh, I'm so I've unfortunately had to deal with these assholes for years, even before anybody knew who the Oath Keepers were. Um, you know, in the book you say, you know, the book's slow civil war. But I've also heard you say since that since the Trump indictments, things have sped up. Um, what do you why do you say that? I mean, it's obviously the book came out a couple months ago. Do you think things are speeding up? And what does that mean? I mean, I think uh, that there's uh, there's this term that began on the left, accelerationism. Yes. And it was a bunch of Marxist intellectuals who, you know, have a critique of liberal democracy right and you know the critique's not idiotic but the move that they make kind of is i said we need to dispense with uh, this uh you know we need to stop caring about the slow processes of democracy so the fascists say yeah hey i was just thinking the same thing yeah. um and this sort of accelerationism is the nature of the movement now is whatever you have done the thing to do is to try and speed up um, now, you said there's casualties already, and I think this is actually really important that a lot of people don't understand there's casualties all over the place, right? Yeah. Um, and it's uh, uh, certainly it's uh, pregnant people who, uh, for lack of reproductive rights, right. uh, are, are dying. And if you've heard a few of those stories in the news, every journalist knows for everyone you hear, there's many more. You know, I mean, there's been five police killings in Vermont in the last. 10 years that I've lived here, none of them made nasty. I mean, they were bad killings. Not, right. um, uh, uh, all killings are bad, but um, none of them made national news because we don't have national media here, right? right? This is the same thing with people bleeding out, being denied coverage, folks, uh, uh, trans people being denied medical care. Not only I'm hearing stories off the record, not only in red states, but in blue states. Medical practices just saying, I see, I'm reading the tea leaves, and so yes. I'm gonna deny you medical care, yes. uh, crucial medical care. A wave of queer and trans youth suicide, an epidemic. Now, no suicide can be attributed to any one cause like that, but we know enough now that these are kids who are like, I'm being targeted. They, they Every trans kid in America is on the front line. And I say this, 
this is where I think uh, a lot of people who might be maybe some never Trumpers like, well, I don't know. I have questions on that. Well, let me answer that question really simply with an old labor song. Which side are you on? Because every week in America, somewhere there's some group of oath breakers or three percenters or proud boys lining up oftentimes with guns outside a school or a library, a bar. um, And there's kids inside. Now, maybe you don't like drag story hour, but don't Take, go. pick your side. Are you with those kids or are you with the men with the guns? That's the choice right? at this point. Yep. They're, they're, so we're, now we're hearing, you know, we had that CPAC language. This is since the book came out where the guy was talking about uh, we have to eradicate yep. transgenderism. This is exterminationist language. And then we have Trump upping the ante of his own claim to divinity, saying that unless I come back to power, the world will be obliterated Jesus. by nuclear uh, uh, nuclear war. I alone can stop it. Before, remember, he said, I alone can fix it. I alone can, you know, help the economy. Now he's saying the world ends unless I'm back. Well, if you believe that, what are you willing to do for it? I think that's the acceleration that we're seeing in the the, the penultimate chapter of the book where I travel around Wisconsin. Yeah. And the guns are out. I mean, the guns are literally on the table. I walk into this man's house and he's, he's preparing a militia training exercise, long guns. He's got a big a uh, handgun that he thought was a Dirty Harry gun. I looked it up. I did my research. He's wrong. It's not the gun Dirty Harry used, but it sure looks like it. His 20-something-year-old daughter was there. She had uh, she had first used that gun when she was uh, a, a small child. His three-year-old is running around. His three-year-old has already been trained on an AR-15. As as proud dad Ooh. says, now lying prone, of course, he's not old enough to, to, to heft the gun, but if he lies down, he can fire it. Those guns Ooh. are out. There's more guns now in America than I've seen in 20 years of reporting. I'm not afraid of guns. I'm a gun owner. Um, uh, Vermont, people don't understand, is actually one of the best armed states in the, in the union. Yeah. Um, but this is a different level of intensity. This is simmering. And we, and, 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 and we are just sort of turning that heat up ever so slowly. And, but... Don't worry, because there'll be a, a, a tear-jerking story about a submarine uh, right. to entertain to you. Di- entertain yeah. us. I, I think I'll, probably my last question, I, I think as we come out, I'd like to pull up to that 10,000-foot level, right? It's like, you know, I open with the polls to show this incredibly sharp divide in America, right, on single key issues. and and of, uh, But these are key issues of our civil life. I mean, we don't disagree on tax policy anymore, Jeff. We, we disagree on fundamental civil rights. And frankly, as you know, the ability of certain people to even exist in our society. You know, they, 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 I mean, I had Charlotte Clymer on the show a few weeks ago, you know, a transgender veteran. Uh, like, Literally, we're talking about we're, we're legislating my ability to exist, right? Um, yeah. You've been immersed in the far right and the simmering violence for several years, as we've been talking about in this wonderful conversation. You know, I mean, I think you kind of ha- said this already, but I want to ask, I mean, are we asleep at the wheel thinking it's going to be okay? Because it, it it ain't, is it? It's 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 not going to be okay. And 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 I think uh, the undertow of that book, of the book's title, the currents, both the currents that brought us here, I try and look at some of those currents, but it's also the current that I think is underneath so much of this, which is a kind of grief, right? right. We've lost a lot. Uh, climate crisis. Look, the glaciers aren't coming back. The heat in Texas, that's going to keep happening. Um, and we're going to live with that. And people are going to die, right? Those are casualties uh, too, uh, in our inability to address it. We've lost a lot in democracy. Um, uh, we, we found ourselves capable, uh, of what we knew in pockets was always there, but with the appeal of Trumpism, we know that we are not immune from fascism. And, and again, I appreciate the never Trumpers because they more than others, uh, say, Hey, look, the damage that's already been done is going to last for decades. Just the damage has already been done. Right. So the right is over there. They're also feeling those losses, but they're not processing that grief. They're letting it curdle into anger and rage, right? And then some of the liberals are over here denying it and saying, no, no, we can get back to normal. Um, Instead of saying, hey, we've lost something, we can mourn it. Mourning is actually a hopeful process. Mourning is how when we lose something, we say we lost our beloved, right? Our dearly beloved, but we go on. We go on and we make something new. And so in as much as we, fail to mourn and acknowledge what we've lost and say, okay, what is the world that we're going to build now in these new circumstances, our condition, uh, uh, or rather we pretend like 
I can't believe Morning Joe just yesterday. I'm listening to it. Is the Republican Party tiptoeing back to normality? Jesus. No, because Fuck. it doesn't exist. No. That's gone. It's no. like saying, you know, uh-huh, the dead. million dead of the pandemic aren't Jesus. coming back. It's the just, pandemic is over. Yeah, but the delusional. dead are still dead. It's They're gone. We mourn them and we build. Or we curdle in to deep trouble. And <laughs> right now, you know, the other metaphor I use is a little bit like it's it's – uh, all those guys with guns, they're not firing. So it's okay. No one's getting shot besides all the mass shooters, each of whom was writing a manifesto that tells you how to do it. But every time those guys with guns line up at some event, we're striking matches and it hasn't flared yet. But um, I, I mean, my, hell, normality, I'd like us just to stop striking matches. If we could take a pause from that for a week, we might breathe and start to think about what to do. Wow. Well, I, that's a great place to start. Yeah, stop. So thank you. I mean, I, it is something I say often. Uh, it's funny. I, I was on the Minus Touch podcast, myself, the Minus Brothers, um, would be two years ago now on, on Memorial Day weekend. And I had a whole bit. It kind of went viral. It's kind of funny, actually. Brian Williams put a show, which is like normal's dead. Normal died when that giant orange asshole came down the escalator. And all this belief that we would just having him out of office would return us to normal is delusional you know it's like um, a friend of mine is a sociologist explained the, the idea of the penetration exercise where when a norman tradition is penetrated uh, if you don't return it back by 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 punishment and or tightening the laws that new place becomes the norm right and yeah. and so and i think in a lot of ways i would complain um to leaders who i very much still support and i'm very proud to support um in washington dc they, they seem to be missing the moment of understanding that it's not good enough just to be good at what they do. They actually have to punish. I, I think, and I'll end it with that. The, the idea that story came out from Washington Post saying that Garland was worried about looking political by punishing Trump. Like, I got fucking bad news for you. People died. I don't, it, it was yeah. political violence and violence, whatever caveat put in the front of it, racist violence, political violence, sexual violence. Violence is violence. If you don't punish violence, there's more violence. And yeah. I feel like sometimes they don't understand that somehow they've, they've carved out political violence as being a special uh, get out of, you know, well, that's different. It's not fucking different. People are dying uh, and people are, are going to die. Well, man, what a great conversation, Jeff. I am so glad you took time. For me. I know you have a really busy schedule way to squeeze it in. And uh, congratulations on the book. Of course, it's the bestseller. All of them are. And, and everything you have uh, have built, it's, it's incredible and, and such an informative conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you, Fred. And thanks for the work you're doing. I appreciate it, man. Let's talk some more. Good seeing you. Good luck. Take care. Bye. Well, that was terrifying. Uh, <laughs> I was just telling Matt, you know, oh my God. Um, you know, I, I look, I we do this show the way we do it. I want you to understand what's going on. And I hope you hear perspectives you haven't seen. And, and we have to understand what we're up against and what you've seen. I, I can't recommend this book enough. Um, what you've seen from, by the way, I forgot to ask him. You can find him at, at Jeff Charlotte. Uh, J-E-F-F-S-H-A-R-L-E-T, what single T on Twitter. He's there. He's terrific. Um, he's been on a lot of wonderful media appearances, so it was wonderful he took his time for us. But it's very important for those of us, especially if you're a liberal, if you're a progressive or a Democrat, we really do need to understand what we're up against and not and not just write it off and not just ignore it. Because uh, if we're asleep at the wheel, we'll lose our democracy. Um, if you can't convince your neighbors to vote for their democracy to save our country, again, the thing I say a lot on the show makes people mad is, is I don't necessarily need independents or Republicans to come over. I just really need Democrats to show the fuck up. And, and it's up to you and I, it's up to us who are activists. It's up to you and your neighborhood. It's up to you and your family. It literally is you getting your adult children to go vote and not blow this off because our future truly, truly, truly is in danger. Read the book and you'll see exactly what the undertow is and it ain't great. So thanks to our sponsors, we had some incredible, the, the sponsors we get in this show it's so humbling. I know I know people aren't used to me having, you know, sponsor breaks and commercials, but uh, if you understand how this works to produce this amazing show, to have Matt back there um, trying to get me to stop cussing uh, and then turning my my gibberish into actual clips and words, it, that costs money. So we're so very blessed that we have the sponsor to do so we can actually produce this show and I can do this for a living and, and help you. So I hope you'll check out our sponsors and support their products. I get them all. 
I love them. I, I won't put it on unless I've tried the product. And uh, so I hope you'll try over our wonderful, wonderful sponsors. In the meantime, I'm very proud to be part of the Forgotten Democrats. Uh, as you've heard a couple of times now, I'm the national chairman of Forgotten Dems. We are actually launching with our first town hall this Thursday. If you saw our guest, David Pepper, on a few days, Dave and I are going to have another chat about what's going on in our country and how we have to vote and we have to run people everywhere. I'd love you to join that this Thursday night. You can find out more information in a very simple way. All you do is text 3377. You text FRED. F-R-E-D to 33777. You'll get a couple questions to sign up for our email, and then hopefully you'll sign up and join me at a wonderful Zoom town hall uh, on Thursday night. I'd love you to join the movement. It is truly a movement. Uh, it's not just throwing money down a hole. Uh, a lot, a little bit of money goes a long way. As always, you can find me at, at FP Wellman. I'm still on Twitter, hanging in there. I, 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 I poked the bear of the, the Joe Rogan, RFK Jr., uh, Bill Mayer world and got, got great. It was kind of funny. You know, you know, things are going crazy. People on Twitter, people are like messaging me on Facebook, say, dude, man, you're getting rocked on, on Twitter. And it's like, there's like 12 replies. Like, dude, I get, I get, I get called a dick every day. <laughs> um, so anyway, but it's FP Wellman, uh, as on Instagram, we're FP Wellman official. The show is on democracy pod on twitter on democracy podcast little secret you can go check we have a youtube channel with every show we've ever done even before i joined the wonderful Myas touch network all of our shows we've done in studio are on our on democracy podcast on youtube but it's always new shows are coming out on the Myas touch network where you can't miss them and and have a wonderful community you can talk to in the comments and enjoy your time as always we're available apple spotify google amazon my god we're everywhere so i hope you'll subscribe as you know the algorithm on these things works a simple way if you like the show and you subscribe to the show and share the show more people will see the show and we've had some wonderful wonderful growth and 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 more people joining our community i am on substack as well fpwellman.substack.com that's a larger community you'll get the show a whole day early on there and plus we do cool stuff so all the places you can find us as always respond Sponsored by our friends at Vi Media. We're right here in their studio, Half Coast Studios. Vi Media is a wonderful digital marketing partner, national and local here in St. Louis. They're growing fast. It's Vi, V-I-E dot media. That's all I've got to say. It's a lot. What a great show. I hope you'll buy Jeff's book. I hope you'll join us uh, on, online and have a conversation. And more importantly, I cannot wait to see you next week. I hope you have a wonderful July 4th weekend. Independence Day is coming up and uh, so important for those of us who served. So proud to be an American, proud to fly my American flag in spite of what conservatives say about me. I am a proud proud son of America. Uh, my father was a Marine. My grandfather was World War One. We had a Civil War sailor. We had a Revolutionary War Minuteman who served in Massachusetts. I've been doing this for a long time in my family, so I cannot wait for Independence Day. I hope you enjoy it with your family. Stay safe. Stay aware. Get in the fight. Talk to you next week.